Welcome to Discintegration. This is your host, Tim. This is Matt. And we're back once again to cover that Cure discography. We're on album... Is it 11? I think so. Anyways, it's their self-titled 2004. I know what year it's from. Yeah, 2004 album. Matt, got anything new this week you wanted to talk about? I got a new phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> lost which, all of his previous... <laughs> which is a blessing and a curse. I lost all of my notes from the previous... All shows. Yeah, everything. <laughs> lost all of our match plays. Which... Which was really kind of like say, one or two. I think I had one left on the list, and that's fine. Yeah, no, not going to miss that one. I think it was really trash, too. All right, so I came up with this week's match play. And the song title is Stars. And yeah. the bands are Hum, Grace Potter and the Nocturnals, Skillet, and the musical Les Miserables. Which or, apparently Matt didn't catch last time when I yeah, was calling no, the Miserables. Yeah, <laughs> I totally missed it until I listened to it and was like, hey, wait a minute. All right, uh, is that the order you kind of did them in, Matt? Uh, I did Hum, Grace Potter, then Les Mis, and Skillet. Then, then Skillet. Skillet. Last. Okay, so I just reversed Skillet and Les Mis. Yep. Well, let's start with Hum. Uh, I'm not real sure where this song is most popular from. If it was from their initial release when they were on MTV a little bit, or if it was after they were included on the Saints Row 2 soundtrack. Uh, I actually did own this album back in the day because I really liked the song. It's a great song. The album itself was garbage. <laughs> this is like a... This is a perfect example of a 90s one-hit wonder. Yeah. So I was, you know, I watched the video or whatever. Uh, the dude in the video, you could tell they were trying to get him to look like, uh, what's his name? Rivers Cuomo from Weezer? That okay, right? that sounds right, yeah. Anyways, you could tell they were trying to make him, but yeah. he was really a much jockier, yeah, he much was... more handsome fellow yeah. than what they were trying to get him to portray as. Yeah, you could definitely tell in that video that they were trying to make him look that they were going not for him. Going for geek. Yeah, and I bet you he's never even tried to play Dark Souls <coughs> or be a geek at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What were your thoughts, Matt? It's a very cool intro, kind of 90s rock normal, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's the 90s. It is, it is 90s. quintessential 90s oh, yeah. rock music. It's going to be real quiet here, but watch out! Yeah, here we go! <laughs> like, wait, no, this is everything I've heard from the 90s. Snuck up on you, didn't we? Yeah, no, <laughs> I existed I in the going. 90s. Exactly. <laughs> I uh, did have a solid sound. I did note I would probably put this on a playlist. Oh, yeah. This is, uh, like, my various artists mm-hmm. on my flash drive. I mean, it, it stays there. Yeah. And it will probably stay on any musical device I own going forward. Yeah. It's just no, it's it's solid. It's a solid 90s rock song. After that was Grace Potter and the Nocturnals. My notes are solid vocals and guitar in the intro. Yeah. Just her, like, alone. Yep. That was my thing. Uh, <laughs> damn, she ain't screwing around on those vocals. Yeah. She is belting it. Yeah. Like, she can sing. A good, great slower rock song with a more, like, relaxed sound than the hum. Yeah, I I would think of it more of a country rock song, maybe. I felt like there were some pretty heavy country oh, influences to yeah. the sound. Yeah, no, musically, I don't care much for it, but that vocal performance has to be respected. Yeah, so next I did Les Mis. Okay, well, yeah, why don't we talk about Lady Miz, bring a little culture to the podcast. <laughs> Actually, this is the first one that I think I technically have to opt out of. Oh, yeah? Because as a musical song, I have heard this song like a million times and really love the musical itself, so... Right. (laughs) It seems like you would have caught on last week when I said The Miserables. I was hoping Uh, that it was some punk rock band. (laughs) Yeah, no, it does sound like it. And it most likely is. There's gotta be a band. There is not. I googled it extensively and it does not exist. Well, don't steal it. It's our idea now. Even if we never use it. I listened to the Phil the Quast version. Yep. Do you know the, is that the yeah, version? Yeah, that's the one I listened to? to as well. 
I mean, you know, I like orchestral music anyways. I, as much as I love music, I hate musicals. With a passion, I just cannot stand. Like, don't try to tell me a story through a musical. I used to love Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I know most people think the best episode is the musical episode, but that one just annoyed the shit out of me. I mean, I could see it, but I don't think that I would call that necessarily the best episode. Yeah, well, I think it's pretty highly regarded. Yeah. It was pretty solid. Not too bad. I enjoyed it. So maybe I just need to listen to each part of the musical and maybe, all together. Yeah, listen to the... Listen to the songs without actually watching the musical itself. Yeah. And last is Skillet. Like the violin intro. I always kind of like those on songs. The female accompaniment doesn't hurt. Holy moly. I think I might like a Skillet song. Holy cow. <laughs> but then more questions. Is, is Skillet a Christian band or something? It is. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes yep. a lot of sense. Because yep. I was getting a real it's Christian, a Christian vibe. It's a Christian worship band. <laughs> okay, yeah. I was getting that vibe. It seemed like something uh, I would hear as a kid on WJIE. Where Jesus is exalted. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That was a radio station. Okay. <laughs> God. Last thing was, what the hell am I liking? <laughs> <laughs> on this one, I, I my first note is, I think Tim's calling me out on this song. because that? I listened to, I've listened to quite a bit of Skillet in the office. No, I haven't. Yeah. Man. But oddly enough, this song has never showed up on any of the playlists I've gotten from YouTube. Well, we've listened to Skillet on one of these, didn't we? On the match plays? I think so, one other one. Was it Skillet or was it Skrillex? It was Skrillex. Was it? Okay. We definitely listened <laughs> hey, to it. Maybe Skrillex. that's where my confusion comes in, too. Because <laughs> they could be the same thing. I would know. They're those. not the same thing. <laughs> All right. I've always enjoyed the sound of, I mean, Skillet. It For me, music is music and like worship is worship. It really shouldn't matter at all. Yeah. But it just has a christian vibe. Words and phrases they use or how they sing gives off a Christian vibe. Maybe it is the power of the Lord shining through there them. You go. I have no idea. But there's just a tinge that you can sense. I had to laugh on this one because I think there was a comment in the like on the video that I was watching. Did this say Skrillex sucks? No. <laughs> it was like somebody had made a comment that he's he's atheist but he really likes like this song from Skillet, and then there were a bunch of replies of people like trying to convert him. Kind of, like, how does an atheist get any message out of a Christian rock band? Blah blah blah. blah. I'm like, well, that's silly though. I mean, music is music. Is music. Yeah. yeah, it's like again, music is music. I, did anybody in the comments respond with like, well, you don't like any other music, right? Because yeah. you shouldn't be able to understand it <laughs> since it's not Christian based, right? Yeah, no, I guess, no. Like, pick out like, do I guess you can't like any satanic metal then? <laughs> Somebody did say music is music, and overall, I gotta say, apparently you cannot go wrong naming your song "Stars." Yeah, it's, this is by this, far the strongest batch up we've had. Yeah, I mean, as I, far as a, especially for a four song set. Yeah, this is this one was difficult, and I think like the only reason I know my number four is because I opted out of Les Mis. Gotcha, <laughs> and you know I did think about opting out of the home for mm-hmm. because of the nostalgia but i don't think it i do love the song and there's some nostalgic but i don't think it outweighs right that it would be unfair for me to pick them but i actually went with grace potter as your winner yeah yeah me too <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey man like the, the vocals the vocals push that one a lot like, yeah they did like yeah. she was this like their first single and she's like this is it i don't yeah. know i'm all I in yeah, like I have to do it now, or this band is going nowhere. I have no idea, but yeah, that's... Yeah, I don't even know who she and this band are. Never heard of her until just now. <laughs> Glad I did. Yeah. It was worth it for that song. Congratulations, Great Pot- Grace for- Potter and the Nocturnals, on your fatal four-way win. On to the self-titled Cure. It was released in June of 2004 and co-produced by Robert Smith and Rob Robinson. Rob Robinson was best known for his work with Corn, Limp Biscuit, and Iowa's own... Slipknot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Robinson's involvement, of course, is credited with the heavier sound of the album. In interviews, Smith asserted that he had final say on, on the album and that Robinson had an alternate track listing to the one developed by Smith, and Smith's version was the one released to the public. It debuted at number 7 in the U.S., selling 191,000 copies, and number 8 in the U.K. It went on to sell 2 million copies worldwide. You know that 191,000, like, opening day? Yeah. Where it got it to 7? I bet with our earlier albums, they had to go much higher than Oh, that. yeah. Because this is 2004. This is, like, post-iTunes. Oh, yeah. This is And post-just, like, general post music theft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah this is right around... This would have been, what, a few years after Napster died? Yeah. I like where, said, iTunes would have been... Peer-to-peer was big. iTunes was big again. Like iTunes was at least... It may not have, like, had it's not the complete penetration it is now, yeah. but it was going, for sure. Yeah. So I wonder what that number was. Like, in the 80s, I oh, guarantee I bet that they had to, to hit, like, 400,000. Yeah, it was at double least. at least, if not more. To get to that number seven spot. Uh, critical reviews were mostly positive, receiving four out of five stars from Rolling Stone, eight out of ten from NME, and a B from Entertainment Re- Weekly. For some reason, they're still on the Cure bandwagon. Apparently. Didn't they just jump in on, like, Wild Mood Swings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Wild Mood Swings are <laughs> Oh, yeah, because they gave Wild Mood Swings a really good review. Yeah, like... <sighs> oh, it was Disintegration. It was just because they gave Wild Mood Swings a higher grade than Disintegration. Yeah, which is entertaining. Weird. <sighs> well, they are the paper of record when it comes to entertainment, so I guess we shouldn't question them. But, like, last week, this is a post-internet penetration album, yeah. so we can go straight and see what the fans had to say. So I picked the release month, and the two following months to see what the true fans thought. June 2004. Turn the lights completely off and crank it. I think that's what the majority of males do. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hang on, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, maybe some leave the lights on, they enjoy that. That feels weird. Whatever floats your boat. Unless you are a hardcore Cure fan, steer clear. That's just a comment on the album. Not, yeah, not, not, not masturbating in the light. Right. <laughs> This is their We're Still Relevant Like the Young Bands We're Touring With album. It's brilliant. Akira's album is always welcome, even more if it's as good as this one. I just don't feel that same vibe I get with other Cure albums. So kind of mixed yep. in the release month of June. July 2004. I hate to say it, but this record is dismal. Uninspired, tired, perhaps even hurried. It's not the best Cure album, though I do think it's absolutely fantastic. This CD is good, but I guess I was just hoping for more. Again, kind of yeah, middle of the yeah. road. I, you know, reading some of these when I was putting it together, I was kind of surprised because the critical reviews were so high on it. August 2004. The only people who could possibly find this album enjoyable are people who have never listened to The Cure before. This will be a Cure classic when it's all said and done. Simply put, this album is average. Next one. This new Cure album is fantastic. Alt.end is an amazing track. And that's it for August. So it pretty much mixed the whole yeah, way through. Seems, yeah. seems like people are kind of torn. And I think, you know, probably talk some about that. Once I, we get to yeah, our we might, yeah. Yeah. Let's get to that song breakdown. First up is Lost. This is the type of song that I am all about. <laughs> Sad, angry, and chaotic. A lot of ominous repetition. Yeah. It, the Angry Smith is what I've been asking for on several albums in a row. <laughs> you have, you have. I've been saying, man, I wish he was just a little angrier on this this song. The Smash Shit Up song. I it love is. it. It's their best album opener they've ever written. This may be my favorite Cure song of all time. Wow. I really liked it. Apparently, yeah. I was really happy when this album started. Not that Blood Flowers was terrible, but after Wild Mood Swings and Blood Flowers, the, yeah, yeah. I was sort of like, well, at least we only have two left. <laughs> They had to come in hard on this one. And th- 
I mean, I might be a little more critical, but this one felt weird because the lyrics, like, the vocals started... I can't find myself. Like, right away. Yeah, they do. Well, no, that's not true. It starts with the... Well, yeah. Crashing sound. And then, yeah. I guess this one just feels like the lyrics started earlier than most openers for them. Yeah, absolutely. Hell, (laughs) half the openers probably don't even have lyrics, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because those early ones, it seems like they always used an instrumental or instrumental that set the tone. Yep. And they might have a little bit of like Smith, not really even singing vocals, just vocalizing. Vocalizing, yeah. Yeah. It's a good opener. I will say it is a solid opener. It just felt odd that in the opener they didn't have the extreme instrumental intro into... Right, the lead-in. The lead-in, yeah. Let me check my notes again here, Matt, because I think you might be incorrect, because it says right here, best album opener they've ever written. Huh. <laughs> you said it was a good one. Yeah, I did. I did say it was good. it's not their best one. I did imply that. <laughs> Second song was Labyrinth. It says, uh, <coughs> really good Cure sitar song. This, this didn't sound anything like Bowie. I'm just saying is it supposed to? Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Jesus, how did I not put that together? <laughs> Actually, I bet if we'd have checked, it probably sounds a little like some Bowie song. It probably does! <laughs> I need to listen again. It may sound like one of the songs <laughs> off the ladder. It might. I just had the thought now, so it wasn't even something I thought of yesterday when I was taking notes. The babe with the power. Uh, when the bass, percussion, and sitar come together with Smith's vocals, it's hypnotic. Yeah. I mean, they do this. They've been doing this style of song where they explore some of this, I guess, sort of like Middle Eastern stylings. Yep. They've always done this. I mean, I would put this one up there as probably one of the better ones that they've done with that sound, though. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of Burn from the Crow soundtrack. Okay, yeah. Which we've talked extensively about. We have, Numerous yeah. times. That may be the greatest soundtrack as far as rock music of all time. I think we may have talked about that previously, too. I think so, yeah. Uh, it doesn't hurt, because I always liked Burn. Right. I That's really good, because Burn does the same thing that these first two songs are doing, where Smith feels more aggressive. Yeah. Two really strong tracks to start this album, and both are in my wheelhouse. I mean, I can't disagree with you on Labyrinth. Like, Labyrinth is a solid... A strong song. Yeah. At number three, before three. Or at three, depending at, on how you three. feel. Yes. <laughs> it's... The vocals are definitely more of what I've learned to expect with Smith. Yeah. Not the angry in this one, yeah, but no. still Smith. Chunky. It, you know, it feels very, it has a very 90s sound. Yeah. Even though this album came out in 2004. Yeah. It was like, oh, well, we sat out the 90s. It's 2004. Let us show you what we could have done if we were playing around the same way as other 90s bands were doing yeah. things. This is a love song. I mean, through and through, as far very as much. I can tell. Yeah. Like the usual, like, that's what it, it's a cure love song. Yep. But it still has a little bit more edge to it than, like, previous loves. I mean, it's not yeah. It's not close to me. It's also not, like, the angry love songs that he's done before. Yeah, and it's not, like, Friday I'm in Love, but yeah. it's still in that same vein of their style of poppy love songs. Yep. I read this. I don't know if it's true or not. But apparently, the he mentions the word love or something related to love on this album more than any previous album. So this album technically is filled with nothing but love songs. Like I said, I don't know if that's a fact fact. It was just something I came across when I was researching. More on that later. All right. Fourth, we got The End of the World. Super catchy. Really love it when it goes into the couldn't love you more bridge. Speaking of the word love again. Yeah, he says a lot in this song. This song reminds me, I could be way off base. I've listened to it way more since I did these notes. 
but I still think it's somewhat true. It reminds me somewhat of a pavement song, and I absolutely adore pavement. So this, it, again, it's just another song that's like, wow, this is like they wrote an album for me. Yeah, I, I, knowing knowing your sound, like what you listen to, I could see that. Yeah, but and, yeah, solid song. And it is again. It it feels like they're applying things that '90s bands did in the '90s to just the Cure sound. Yeah, and I don't think maybe I would have enjoyed it in the '90s. I think maybe in 2004 I'd be more open to the idea because it's been what maybe ten years. Well, probably like seven, eight years since like Nirvana put out their last album. I think if I, no, I, I think if this album would have come out now, before, it would be ten years. Kurt Cobain had a fucking shotgun in his face by April eighth of '94. Yeah. So no, you're right. Right at around ten years, where it's like, okay, now I'm I'm ready to hear that style of song again. Whereas they released this in '94 before disintegration. Well, what Wild Moose Swings came out in '94 itself, didn't it? Or was that in '96? I think that was '96. So if this had come out in '96 instead of Wild Moose Swings, I still they probably were better off putting this yeah. out in '96. Yeah, because Wild Moose Swings is terrible. Yeah. They, okay. Yeah, I give them that. <laughs> but if, I think if this would have come out before disintegration. Oh yeah, they can't. They can't. They wouldn't be the cure without disintegration, yeah. would they? That album's so fucking. No, it's like well, the cure. But if they would have, so if they would have delayed the release of disintegration and put this out instead, or if like wild mood swings never happened. Yeah. So if disintegration came out when wild mood swings came out, and this came out before. in a vacuum where we don't already know that wild mood swings has got awful, right? And this released instead in the nineties. I, yeah, I don't think it. It would. I just don't think it would have hit as much. Because you're just so used to hearing sort of this 90s aesthetic that they yeah. got going. I think this is the return to the 90s sound that The Cure does. Like, they made the 90s their own and then released it in the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a very Robert Smith thing to do. Yeah. Anniversary. First one on here that's the very gothy. Yeah, I, I actually noted, this reminds me of the older songs. Yeah, I was going to say, this is the most reminiscent of their early work so far. I do love the droniness of it. Yep. Uh, the slow piano... Got the pleading vocals from Smith. Always great to feel yeah. how pitiful he can emote. Solid, eerie background instrumentals to his whiny vocals that really brings the tone. It's like almost a the perfected version of the songs they've been doing just for years. Yeah. Like they've written versions of this style and like... Hey, we perfected this style, which they probably perfected this style years ago. But this song might just benefit from more modern production. Yeah, that's true. I am astounded with this album thus far. Yeah. That was my last note on the anniversary. <laughs> now on to Us or Them. Not sure if I like that bass riff in this song. The they, vocals are less whiny. Like, kind of. I, I, I actually put kind of whiny angry. Right. Smith, not just whiny, not just angry. But, I mean, really, this bass riff really bothered me. Apparently. But also, it's kind of hard to follow anniversary, I think. Just period. Yeah. So it could just be that. But yeah, I mostly focused on the fact that I did not like this bass riff at all. And it's not even that prominent and it still bothers me in the background. Right. But I still love the direction this album's going. Solid, yeah. All Thought End. The one that that was previously referenced as an amazing track in August 2004 by some random Cure fan. Starts out with just Smith and drums. Yeah. No, I got distracted in the very beginning of the song just with Smith's vocals because they're not covered by any other sound because it was just him and the drums. Right. It really throws you off when Smith is singing at the beginning of the yeah, song. Yeah, it, it really does because I'm just not used to it. I'm used to like having a minute to get what the into hell the song. Is going on, yeah, here? used to I'm having not, that second to get into the song first. I'm not ready to sing with you yet. Yeah, <laughs> although I think it, it might have been, it might not have been this one, but there was another song that I started singing along with the song, like the first time hearing it. Right, <laughs> it's that catchy. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, yeah, the guitar itself, it reminded me somewhat of another 90s band I like, Built to Spill, which Built to Spill is kind of in the same wheelhouse as Pavement, so sort of pulling from that 90s indie rock. Real stripped down album, though, so far, outside of really Anniversary. Anniversary has more, like, multiple layers yep. of instruments and stuff, yep. but generally, I mean, they have some bleeps and bloops here and there, but it, it's not as, you know, you don't get the big orchestras or anything yeah, like that so far. It's none of the, like very little of the layering that we've had in previous albums. Funny because Wild Mood Swings, I bitched about that album because they tried to be a very rock album. Yeah. This album, they're actually getting it right. Yes, I thought Blood Flowers was an improvement. This kills Blood Flowers, rocky. It does. Yeah. Blood Flowers was a more stripped down rock album. It was in general, and I think maybe I only enjoyed it because it was after fucking Wild Mood Swings. That might be. I did know. Uh, listening to the lyrics on this one, it felt like Smith was a little conflicted about coming back, just in the lyrics. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can believe it. From what I read, it does seem like most of the impetus to return was that at the time there were a lot of bands that were around that were saying it, like, hey, one of our biggest influences was The Cure. So maybe he does just felt like he was kind of pulled in. Yeah. And then, honestly, some of the research I did, maybe it was more the comments on Amazon, and maybe it was some of the more butthurt, like, long-time Cure fans right. that were sort of saying it was just a cash grab because these younger bands were bringing them up. But yeah. I don't think you put this album out in a quick manner as a cash grab no yeah like there's no half-assing here where they just throw no. something out there so they can make a quick buck no get, we've get we've, the fuck out of here we've experienced the definite half-assing of an <laughs> album previously i don't think i don't think wild mood swings was necessarily half-assed i just don't think it was what anyone wanted <laughs> uh, that could be <laughs> all right they might have had the same you know time put into it just except for that one America song. That was half-assed. I don't even remember what it was called. Up next is, I don't know what's, oh, I guess, parentheses, I don't know what's going, close parentheses, on. Yeah. So does that make the t- song title on? I think technically, yeah. It should just be called on. <laughs> the core melody of this song, the... Yep, yep. Sounds like a video game. It really does. <laughs> I had to double check that I didn't have a video game on in the background, I think. It's like a market area of a, <coughs> a RPG. Yep. There's no real action. It's just something you hear when yeah, you're walking around. It's that, it's that, you know, tone of, hey, I'm going to go to the shop and buy some more potions so I can die later. I really like Smith's vocals and the breakdowns of the songs. Like, he hits some real high notes. Oh, yeah. I, it's not the most remarkable song on the album, but actually I was listening to it on my way here. And it's a good song. It's yeah. really great. Like it, it only isn't sticking out because everything else is so good. Yeah. No, I, I haven't. I can't put anything. I actually noted like Smith's vocals aren't lacking at all on this album, even right. after what twenty five. 30 years of was this performing? Four? Yeah. yeah. Like 77 maybe? Yeah, so the first album. Almost 30 years of oh, recording and performing and... Yeah. He had to do something to take care of that voice. Yeah. Maybe it was all those drugs in the 80s. Maybe. Maybe he's like, uh, what's his face from the Stones? The drugs are just kind of like preserved. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's all it's all about <laughs> it's preservatives. <laughs> like pickle people. Yeah, we are not supporting drug use. Just with our money. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> taking off. Uh, this song remind, made me think of the movie Pretty in Pink. It's a very 80s sounding Cure song. It is. It's it's very much back to the, the 80s sound. I mean, it, it but it feels super catchy. Oh. Uh, I like the pounding drums and the piano combo with Smith's vocals. Yeah. The entire album so far just feels like a band that's re-energized. Like, maybe they yeah. needed that, like, four years off. When was... Blood Flyers was 2000, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. So, maybe that four years off did some good. This is actually the song that I noted. I started singing along to this song, even though I hadn't heard it before. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> nice. It's always a good song. Never 
the start of the song feels like it could go either way. This could either be complete trash or it could be a classic. Yeah. It quickly became apparent to me that they got this. This is a classic. This is, yeah. It, again, reminds me of another 90s band I like, Unwound. Yeah. Which Unwound is not like Built to Spill or Pavement, but it, man, it just there feels like there's a 90 influence. I don't know if it's actually The Cure or is this the, the Robinson guy. Uh, Rob this Robinson. could be Rob could Robinson's be him, maybe. influence, maybe. I don't give a shit who it was, but great job. Yeah. A plus, I love it. I was really interested in doing the research, research portion of this album. I wrote yeah. that in my notes, just because, you know, I do the research after I've listened to the album, made my notes. I didn't put nearly as much of what I read into my notes because I've been telling Matt, like, man, I feel like we're going long all the time. Right, right. I have to research a bit, a little bit. You know, from what I read, there's nothing really super interesting about the production of this album. There just wasn't. Like, well, we met this guy, Rob Robinson. I kind of liked him. I figured, let's go work with him. And then they did this. One of the band members did almost leave the sessions because he wasn't being used enough. The keyboardist. Okay, I could see that. And I could, yeah. When I read that, I was like, damn, I could definitely see that, because I don't feel like there is a lot of keyboard. Not even in, like, some of the bonus tracks? Cause I'd, oh, I'd I didn't caught listen a, to those. I, I had caught a that, couple though. of those. Shit, I need to listen to the bonus tracks. Yeah. I do know that uh, it also read that it was the first album where they, well, first album in a long time, where they were recording together in the room. Oh. And that was Rob Robinson. Apparently, that was, he said, you know, this is the only way I do it, is if you guys get together, let's do this how you play live. Hey. This motherfucker's a smart guy. That's yeah, Rob Robinson. I was gonna say that. I don't know that I care much to listen huge. to the other albums he produced before this. But no, but I, the Cure. I will if he produces more of that. Yeah. I will listen to that. And I also made a note that I was interested to see what the Cure fans think. And you know, from earlier, you yeah, can tell it was a mixed reviews. It was. And the main reason I was curious because it's not a mopey album, and I don't want to say all of them are mopey, but you know what I mean. But it's, it's not a it's, sad, like depressing album. Yeah, it's. It's still the goth sound without being a depressive goth sound. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and all those early Cure albums, that's all it is. So oh, yeah. I could see why long-term fans I'm sad, you like, should be sad too. Yeah, and I can <laughs> see where long-time fans would be like, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. I get it. Uh, the Promise, last song. Real westerny guitar in the beginning, which I don't know if they've done that before. Not that I can recall. Yeah, I don't remember them kind of messing around with western at all. It's just that guttural scream. Yeah. Yeah, got that slow build. I would say I did note the the I didn't say slow build. I said layering in the beginning, the kind of slow addition of everything, including vocals that came in. And I think I missed when they first started. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was the more uh, it was a mix of the pleading and the accusatory. Yep. Where he's, I mean, and he's good at this. Where one second he's got you, he's got you feeling like, oh please, please don't leave. Yeah. But then the next man, like, you know what, fuck you. Yeah, Take your shit yeah, and go. Yeah, break your fucking promises and just go. <laughs> and Yeah, and he'll flip you like that in like 15 seconds. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, they really, they build towards some chaos and then just pull back from the edge at one point. Like, you feel like it's building. I did know a little long for me. It is? It's like a 10-minute song, isn't it? But 10 minutes, 16 seconds I or think something so. like that. But it's weird because it's like, it feels long for this album, but... For general, other albums? Think, yeah, no. Other, I mean, <laughs> it's a standard that there's like a 10-minute yeah, yeah. song, but for this album, yeah, I was like, maybe not for this one. Yeah. No, it, it, although I will say I didn't notice that it was that long until I actually checked the track time. Like, Right. <laughs> put on here, first misstep on the album. At the very end, they, they did something I didn't like that much. Yeah, which, I mean, yeah, they stretched it a little bit longer than... But again, I, you know, I heard this one earlier because I've been listening to it a little bit in the car today. 
it's not so bad. I'm, I'm maybe being, those initial notes, I was maybe being a little harsh. But man, it was so good. Like, I only had to listen to the song. I listen, I think I listened, um, I made these notes the second time I listened to it. Yeah. Because after the first time, I was like, oh, I'm done. I know exactly how I feel about this album so far. Yeah, I think I've listened, I, I made, I usually make my notes my first lesson. Oh, do you? I don't, yeah, I usually give it probably at least five listens before I sit down and do notes. Matt, what do you got overall? Uh, I My first note is, this is definitely shorter than past albums. Has to be. Yeah. It's only like, what, nine songs, ten? Oh, no, maybe this one's like eleven. It's eleven songs. But it does still. But it f- definitely feels like it, like... It doesn't, there's not, it doesn't feel like there was a whole lot of six-minute songs. I think there was on, one seven-minute. I one, think most of their albums, the average is probably six minutes. Yeah. Or like five minutes and 45 seconds yeah. per song. And there's probably a lot more three-minute or four-minute songs. Yeah, this, this definitely song. felt like the, I guess, shouldn't say average 2000s album. Like, because a lot of songs that were written in the 2000s and produced in the 2000s were like three and a half minutes is long enough. Well, you know, actually, when I was researching this album, I also was kind of just doing research on The Cure in general. You know, why not wait till the second to the last album to do extensive research right. about the band yeah. I'm going to talk about. Yeah, you know. It does sound like Smith has talked about how part of the reason he wrote those longer songs is because he was able to. Because CDs could carry so much more music than cassettes oh, yeah. could. If he had had access to CDs early, on the early, early yeah. albums, a lot of those songs probably would have been much longer. That makes sense. Yeah, because some of the earlier stuff was shorter. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of built to really long five and a half, six minute songs. The thing I read specifically mentioned the song 17 Seconds. Yeah. That it was a much longer song, but because of time limits with cassette, and, they yeah. cut it back. All right, I could see that, yeah. Yeah, so maybe now he's kind of reining it in, like, well, you know, just yeah. because there's like 70, 80 minutes on a CD doesn't mean I have to use the whole thing. Right. Plus, by this point in 2004, music fans weren't really buying albums anymore. No, they, they were, were buying, buying singles, yeah. Oh, I did note. I'm not sure I feel about some of the parts of the album. What do you mean? But the sum of the whole, like, there are certain songs that I may not listen to a lot. I will, right. I will probably listen to them again, but they're not going to end up on a, yeah, I'll listen to this on, you know, every week or every month. Or gotcha. The sum of the parts? Yeah, yeah, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe none of the songs. So let's say, I'm trying to think of what album. Maybe the Head on the Door is the one I'm thinking of, where it had, like, four or five singles. Yeah. Like, just classics on it. Yeah. And that's how that album's kind of built, is that it has these classic singles, whereas this maybe doesn't have strong single songs, but, but they listening well to them in, the in yeah. I think we talked about Disintegration was kind of like that, too. Yep. I don't think there was a whole lot of standout songs, but within context of the full work, yeah, I don't, everything I, is amazing. I don't know if I could include all of the songs on this album in like a shuffle list with other songs, right? but listening to this album as a standalone on its own, yeah, I'll listen to this album again. <laughs> Right on. What can I say? This album hit all the right notes with me. Yeah. <laughs> this is an absolutely perfect Cure album. This is their apex. I don't see any possible way that the next album, their last one, until they release whatever they're releasing this year. I was going to say, I got releases in 2020 there's theoretically. no way 413 Dream is this good. The whole album feels like they're playing every style they've always played. Because they start out in one way, but they've always added like some styles over the years that yeah. they're trying to do. This has perfect versions of every style of music that yeah. they've ever done. It's like the culmination of all of the things they've tried. I don't think you gave it a star score. What are you going to give it? Honestly, as an album total, listening to every song in order, like a four? Five stars. Wow. I, yep. Perfect. I love it. It reminds me... I, I feel the same way about this album that I feel about How the West Was Won from R.E.M. Okay. Oh, that is R.E.M.'s pinnacle album. 
because it takes every kind of style they've ever done and it perfects it. This album does the same thing. Sometimes doing this podcast is kind of hard because the albums are difficult to listen to. Yeah. There's a couple of real, I mean, not stinker. Wild Moose Wings is a fucking stinker. Yeah. But there are some that are harder to get through than others. I am happy we did this just so I was exposed to this album. Yeah. That I now know it exists, and I know it is the greatest Cure album ever made. Good luck following up next week, 413 Dream. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> Got anything else to say about this album, Matt? Uh, I did actually note the art of the album. Oh, yeah, I read this too. What is his niece he had draw it? Oh, is that what it is? Because I definitely, I noted, like, this, the, the, the picture definitely right. feels like something I would have drawn as a kid... I, I may be getting the story slightly wrong, but I know that generally that this is true. That he had his niece, I think his niece draw a picture of him. Okay. And then he used it for the album cover. And there may have been some controversy because he never actually <laughs> told the niece and whatever, uh, brothers or sisters or whatever, that that's what he was going to do with the drawing. I didn't really read too much into that part, but it was implied that there was some controversy about that. Getting near the end, and I think people might actually learn some things about The Cure, because we're learning things yeah. about The Cure. But I think the main thing I want you to learn this episode is that this is the greatest Cure album ever made. It's definitely <laughs> the best one I've heard so far. <laughs> Alright, so let's go on and check out what our match play is for next week. How about for next week's match play? We do another Fatal 4-Way, because almost all of them end up being Fatal 4-Ways. Yeah. No matter what song title you pick, four bands have written it. At least. So we're going to go with Bad Day. Bad day. And the bands are Daniel Powter. Do you know who that is? <laughs> I actually know that one, yeah. I have no idea. Fuel, which I have an idea, but not really a clear idea of who that is. Yeah. Darwin Dees, D-E-E-Z, in case you needed the spelling on that last name. And one I cannot pick, R-E-M. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, I won't give my full impressions of Bad Day right now, but I'm pretty sure I shouldn't be allowed to pick R-E-M on this <laughs> one. Matt, got anything else before we go? I don't think so. Let's go the hisk. The hisk. Please follow us on Twitter at Frisky Discs. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts.